This is Guns and Butter. bankrupt here. Greece is not bankrupt. Greece has been here for 3,000 years and there'll be 3,000 years in the future. Bankrupt is Deutsche Bank, Societe Generale, Credit Agricole, Unicredito, Santander, right? Bankia, we just saw them. In other words, the zombie banks are bankrupt. And of course, in the world of reality, if a bank makes bad investments and they, they can't collect, then the bank is bankrupt. Great nations don't go bankrupt that way. This is this is really a, it reflects the poisonous propaganda of the Austrian school, who say, well, if a government can't pay, then they're bankrupt. I say no. I say the sovereign states will put the zombie banks into receivership and shut them down and destroy their derivatives. That's how you get out of the crisis. If you do it the other way, if you let the zombie banks and the ratings agencies destroy the countries, the nations then you're headed towards uh, fascist hell uh, all over the world. So that, that's really the issue. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, Webster Tarpley. Today's show, The World Mobilizes Against the Bankers, Wisconsin Recall, Syriza of Greece, and Michele Ruggiero of Italy. Webster Tarpley is an economic historian, author, and lecturer. He is author of Against Oligarchy, Surviving the Cataclysm, A Study of the World Financial Crisis, 9-11 Synthetic Terror, Made in the USA, and co-author of George Bush, The Unauthorized Biography. His latest books are Obama, The Postmodern Coup, and Obama, The Unauthorized Biography. On today's program, we discuss the Bilderberger meeting in Virginia and what came out of it, Alexis Tsipras of the Syriza party in Greece, and Italian prosecutor Michele Ruggiero of Italy. Webster Tarpley, welcome. Thank you very much. Always glad to be with you. The Bilderbergers have been meeting in Virginia, and I understand uh, you've attended, at least outside, for outside. what, for five days. What have you found out regarding what has transpired at the meeting? Well, I take it people are familiar with the uh, the Bilderberg group. It's uh, uh, feudal oligarchs, uh, crowned heads, right? The Queen of the Netherlands was there. The Prince of Belgium was there. Uh, they have military figures from NATO. They have uh, bankers. Uh, you know, Ackermann of uh, Deutsche Bank was there. Business leaders, people like this. It's essentially an organization of NATO civil society, and it's uh, high level, although maybe not as high level as people think. It's not really a place where decisions are made, but it's a place where. The party line is put out and it's discussed thoroughly so that everybody gets the party line and they can all act in some kind of a concert. So it's a typical network. Uh, it goes back to Prince Bernard of Holland. He was, of course, a Nazi, an official member of the SA and the SS, but nevertheless could be the prince consort of uh, the Queen of the Netherlands. And he's the father of the current uh, queen who comes to these things. Anyway, the lore of Bilderberg I, is widely available. We don't need to go through this right now. But the question is, what did they want to do with this particular meeting? They're always interested in the question of power in the United States. Uh, Obama, as I pointed out uh, four years ago now in my two books, Obama, the Postmodern Coup, 
and Barack H. Obama, the unauthorized biography. Uh, Obama is simply a creation of the Bilderberg Group and its uh, somewhat broader uh, branch or satellite organization, the Trilateral Commission. And uh, my thesis, as you can read in those two books, was that uh, Obama was picked up by Brzezinski, Zbigniew Brzezinski, top trilateral guy, top aide to David Rockefeller. Uh, Brzezinski uh, picked up uh, Obama at Columbia University around 1981-82, when they were both there. Uh, Samuel Huntington, also part of this Bilderberger trilateral world, would have been part of it. Maybe Joseph Nye, the great theoretician of neoliberalism and, and soft power and so forth. So you saw last time uh, at the same hotel, Hillary Clinton and uh, Obama both go there. This was not so much that they were choosing Obama. They had already chosen him years before, and they'd chosen him more recently out of this sort of stable or kindergarten of young politicians. But they uh, essentially, uh, you know, that marked the end of Hillary Clinton's campaign, put it that way. Uh, so now, though, the wind has changed uh, very, very radically. And I think this is the big news story coming out of this. What I see coming out of Bilderberg, based on a study of the guest list, right, who is there. There's an official guest list that's put out by Bilderberg on their website. You can go see it plus other reports that I've gotten from people who have, have or claim to have inside sources. The inside sources say, for example, that although Zbigniew Brzezinski was not on the list, he was actually there, that Bill Gates, although not on the list, was actually there, and so on down the line. The point being, what they have decided is the carterization of Obama, that they've decided to do with Obama, as I predicted really four years ago, they would uh, use him to wreck this critical moment, this critical mass upsurge that we had with the anti-war movement, the impeachment movement, the 9-11 truth movement, and then on top of that, the banking crisis and a huge growth in class consciousness on this part of the American people. They needed a puppet president to go in and wreck that moment. In other words, to make sure that there would be no FDR, there would be no 100 days, there would be no profound reform of the system, there would be nobody in the White House who would even dream of breaking the power of finance capital uh, over the United States. So Obama has done that. He has wrecked the moment. He has aborted these potentials that come uh, not very frequently, although they may be, they may still be around. They may be coming back again. We don't know. There's certainly someday they will. Anyway, Obama on his way out. And what they seem to want is Romney and Mitch Daniels. Uh, Romney, of course, the uh, candidate of Wall Street, an asset stripper, a hedge fund hyena, a man who has uh, amassed uh, fantastic wealth based on, on the fact that he has this... Uh, tax uh, loophole that they all use, which is the carried interest provision. If you're a hedge fund hyena or an asset stripper or a leveraged buyout operative doing hostile takeovers, corporate raider and so forth, vulture capitalist, you can use, you can claim all of your money, not as income like the rest of us, right? And you're not going to pay self-employment tax. You're going to classify it as carried interest, which is a, it's a scandal. Anyway, that's why he's He's there. So this is the voice of Wall Street. And then Mitch Daniels. This was the new thing, right? Of all the possible vice presidential candidates that we, we're aware of, and we're aware of many, 
the only one who showed up was Mitch Daniels, the governor of Indiana. So not Rubio, uh, the uh, the representative of the virulent uh, Castro haters of uh, of Little Havana in Miami. Uh, not other people. You know, there were women uh, candidates, right, who would be important for Romney or somebody like Condoleezza Rice would give him other advantages, but they didn't show. Mitch Daniels was there. So the, the point with Mitch Daniels is that of these Midwestern, I'm afraid I have to say, of the Midwestern fascist Republican uh, governors, we look at Walker in Wisconsin, Snyder in Michigan, Kasich in Ohio, and Daniels in Indiana. Mitch Daniels has accomplished more strike-breaking and more savage primitive austerity in his state with a smaller resistance, a smaller backlash than anyone else, right? On the side of Walker, of course, a huge mass strike rebellion with hundreds of thousands of people shutting down the state in February and March of, of 2011 and a, a signature gathering against him to kick him out of office. The one million signatures gathered in Wisconsin represent the largest proportion of the population of any state in the history of the United States who have signed or otherwise committed themselves to a recall or other petition. Right? It's a very, very important landmark. And then, of course, Snyder, with his emergency management law that's, that allows him to send dictators into cities, right? put the city into receivership, kick out the mayor, kick out the city council, send in a dictator and dictate savage austerity and cuts, right? And also advance the interests of your rich friends. That's him. Kasich is the worst failure of all of them. He tried to bust all the unions in Ohio. There was a referendum, and Kasich lost that referendum 62 to 38. So compared to that, Daniels was able to put through a union-busting right-to-work law at the beginning of this year, and he did it really within a few weeks with minimal resistance. So the profile of Daniels that I've just given, I think, shows what's going on. The Bilderbergers wish to carterize Obama, and they're inclining, they're putting their considerable resources on the side of uh, Romney and Mitch Daniels. And the purpose of this is going to be savage, brutal austerity. Austerity so severe that it kicks over into the realm of genocide against the American people. This will not be the basis of the campaign, obviously. It will be like Walker, to some degree, that he'll run uh, as some kind of a moderate uh, center-right candidate. But then, once the levers of power are firmly in his hands, then we will see uh, an orgy of cuts. Right? This will be the so-called grand bargain. So this also, the included feature of this is it's not just savage austerity at home, but it's also a return to a much more uh, aggressive line. If you look at um, Romney's foreign policy advisors, I think there are 25 principal foreign policy advisors. Of these, something like 17 and 18 can be certified as neocons, warmongers, therefore, and veterans of the George W. Bush administration. Right. So don't forget foreign policy because it's there. Foreign policy can be seen in these two areas. An anti-Russian policy. We know Romney says Russia is the main enemy of the United States. Romney also says he doesn't want the option of attacking Iran on the table. He wants the attack option, the war option, in his hand so he can strike immediately. Well, what do we get? 
Russia, we have one representative of the uh, Russian Academy of Sciences, somewhat low-profile guy. But above all, we have Anatoly Chubayas. This is the uh, exterminating angel of IMF shock therapy, privatization, deregulation, um, the wrecking of the Soviet uh, economy, and above all, the the selling off at really no no price at all, right? Just the giving away of the state property of the Soviet Union to the to the infamous oligarchs. So Chubayas is the mother of the oligarchs, right? If you look at Berezovsky, Potanin, Gruzinsky, Friedman, Khodorkovsky, all of these Russian oligarchs, or uh, you know the uh, this character who owns the uh, the New Jersey Nets, right? The guy who ran for president against Putin. Those are all the spawn of Chubayas. He's their mother. He's the the oligarch maker. Uh, he was there. Now this is the main. This is the evil force behind Medvedev. Uh, this represents an entire faction of Russian society, which is you know pro Wall Street, pro City of London in particular. He's there. That's one side. Then the other one we have is this. Um, woman, Basmar Kodmani, she represented the Syrian National Council. So this is the political front group of the NATO death squads in Syria. Basmar Kodmani was there. There are pictures of her in the London Guardian and elsewhere. She is a uh, seven-year veteran of the Rockefeller Foundation. She is a professor at the University of Paris, and she is also part of the French uh, national uh, Research uh, Authority, right? The Conseil National de la Recherche Scientifique, CNRS. So uh, this is uh, redolent of NATO. These are the people who plan and carry out color revolutions. Um, they couldn't invite, you know, the, the, the Al-Qaeda killers who actually are the main force, but this is sort of the presentable, uh, publicly, uh, you know, uh, presentable face of this thing. So there's the package. Carterize Obama, bring in Romney Daniels, sharp right turn, sharp turn towards fascist economics, super austerity, crush the labor movement, crush all resistance, use authoritarian and even totalitarian measures, and then uh, hardline on Russia, hardline on, on Syria and, and beyond. I'm speaking with economic historian and author Webster Tarpley. Today's show, The World Mobilizes Against the Bankers, Wisconsin Recall, Syriza Party of Greece, and Michele Ruggiero of Italy. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. And so all of these people that you have mentioned were at the Bilderberg meeting uh, this year. Now, what is your assessment of the recent blockbuster New York Times article on Obama and these uh, meetings Tuesday morning for him to personally pick out the targets for drones for a killing? Well, this is, I think that's a very good point because this, this is where we have to see if it's true. In other words, in order to figure out what's going on in Bilderberg, you've got to get the big picture and you've somehow got to put together the big picture together with the guest list and the few little leaks that you get. And uh, that is, I think, the way to do it. So you're going right to the point. Um, are there signs out there in the big world, right, as distinct from the sort of, you know, conspiracy watcher world, 
that this is actually happening. Is 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 Obama being carterized? Well, the one that you've mentioned, I think, is the single biggest of these. This is the article by Becker and Shane in the New York Times uh, just right at the end of May, which shows uh, Obama in the White House every Tuesday. Every Tuesday is Terrorism Tuesday. And he draws up a death list. He goes through a series of PowerPoint slides. He considers the cases of people, including American citizens. He notoriously has included the U.S. double agent Aulaki. Anwar Aulaki, you know, having been to the Pentagon for lunch and other things, was a double agent working for the U.S. government. He had been shipped into, into Yemen. He was there to build up uh, al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. Al-Qaeda is the CIA Arab Legion. Al-Qaeda is used, among other things, as a pretext to invade countries. So if you want to invade a country, you first set up a branch of al-Qaeda, and then you've got a good reason to tell the American people why you're invading. So that's al-Laki, the CIA lackey, except al-Laki, the CIA lackey, turned out to be expendable. And the order was signed personally by Obama. So on Terror Tuesdays, we've got death orders, death sentences, which are, of course, illegal. There's no due process. And I think this is a really damning thing to say that Obama, the candidate of hope and change, is now hope, change and and death orders, uh, hit hit orders, kill orders. The kill list is the is the relevant thing. They they maintain a kill list uh, of of uh, victims and then they have to evaluate. Are they that important? Are they worth it? And all the rest of it. Now, um, this has been a topic, just to give you an example, if you happen to be watching MSNBC, right, the Imelt or GE channel on uh, Saturday morning, this is a channel that was totally devoted to the cult of Obama uh, four years ago, right, with Chris Matthews and the thrill traveling up his leg. What you had now is Chris Hayes of The the Nation, right, a very dubious publication, uh, with uh, some other people from the civil liberties side and the Colonel Jacobs of the military. And they're discussing how Obama is carrying out murder. And Jeremy Scahill of the nation, in this case, says, yes, Obama is carrying out murder. Now, these are the people who were the high priests of the cult of Obama four years ago. But you can see something has changed. If you didn't read the New York Times, then maybe you saw it on uh, on uh, on MSNBC. I'm just also looking there are a couple of um, a couple of books about this, which are, I think, also uh, very relevant. Uh, another uh, important uh, anti-Obama step is the publication of this book, Kill or Capture, by Daniel Claydman. He was on uh, CBS Face the Nation this past Sunday. Uh, and this is about uh, the drone war, Obama selecting targets to... Uh, to uh, assassinate, uh, really committing crimes, uh, I would say, from the point of view of traditional U.S. law. It's also important that um, in the course of this, the allegation is made that uh, Obama's campaign people, right, um, the campaign manager from Chicago, David Axelrod, reputedly uh, a direct descendant of Leon Trotsky of the Bolshevik Party, right, the number two to Lenin in 1917, uh, that the same Axelrod, representing the egregiously political side of the Obama machine, has been present in the room 
when the death and uh, assassination decisions have been made, which calls up the idea that uh, that the the assassinations are politically motivated as well as uh, as a product of national security consideration. Uh, the idea, therefore, is you've got a pattern of events going on. I'll give you a couple. I'll give you another pattern. Uh, we have Obama attempting to run a campaign on the fact that Romney is indeed an asset stripper, hedge fund hyena, corporate raider, vulture capitalist, and so forth. Right? And these are this is a true critique. Obviously, Obama, you know, having turned the government over to these people, has very little moral authority, but still the charges are true. But then we get this interesting pattern. Bill Clinton, who is a great barometer of ruling class thinking because that's what he represents, uh, Mayor Cory Booker of Newark, New Jersey, and Governor Deval Patrick of Massachusetts all come forward and say, horrors, Obama, you should stop criticizing these wonderful hedge fund hyenas and asset strippers and corporate raiders because they are the essence of what makes America great. It's a tremendous embarrassment for the Obama White House, right? What is he supposed to run on if not the demonization of Romney? What is any campaign except the demonization? And of course, this had come out of the Republican primaries, right? Governor Rick Perry of Texas and Former Speaker Newt Gingrich had attacked Romney in the Republican primary in South Carolina, not exactly left liberal heaven, uh, with precisely these charges. So the charges are real. There's a real question there. But now we have these top Democrats saying, Obama, you can't do that. Well, that's like saying, Obama, pack up, get out and leave. We also have Bob Shrum, another dubious individual. This is the famous uh, you know, serial loser of the Democratic Party, right? Never won a presidential election going back to the Carter re-election campaign, I believe, uh, of 1980. Uh, he comes on face the nation, I think it was, and saying, well, if it's a referendum on Obama, of course he loses. Uh, not exactly flattering for Obama. In other words, the idea being, in this case, he's trying to say there should be an attack on Romney, but of course that door has been closed by these other people. So what's left? If Obama is not intrinsically worthwhile, and even the comparison with Romney's crimes is ruled out, then, then what's left? I would give you another example of this, which was the uh, unemployment figures that came out on Friday. Um, very bad result as usual, or, or well, not, not as usual. It's a very bad result on Friday. And that's when the stock market dropped to 274 points. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and, and that is, it seems to me, um, the, these figures are normally cooked, right? They're massaged, right? The, the party in power can make them look quite good and then correct them, you know, after November. But this time it was, not only was the May result bad, but the April result, which had been considered anemic at 120,000 new jobs, was then cut in half approximately. So all of these signs, and we could go through them, uh, indicate the networks are putting out the line. The whole uh, situation is beginning to shift in the way that the Bilderbergers want. Now, the Bilderbergers are not omnipotent. There were other factions, right? There were the Koch brothers. There were, you know, there were people in other parts of the world. Certainly, there's Russia, China, and the BRICS. That's different. That's not really part of this NATO world. Even the Japanese are not represented at all, really, or very little in, uh, in Bilderberg. So uh, it is a power center. It's a power center of the first magnitude. And now you see what they do. So I think that's that's happening. 
Well, that's fine. And I'd also, while we're on the Bilderbergers, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about this Peter Thiel of PayPal? Yes, good. Here's the thing with the Bilderbergers. You look at these people, right? David Rockefeller, very old. David Rockefeller was so so ill that he didn't seem to come. Uh, Henry Kissinger. Kissinger was there, reportedly. Zbigniew Brzezinski, getting on in years. Uh, the Count d'Avignon, sort of the head of the European side of this, also advanced years. So where's the next generation of these uh, Bilderberg uh, oligarchs going to come from? And the idea is it's the young wolves. It's the young cyber speculators, right? The people for whom derivatives and the Internet are as, uh, you know, self-explanatory as daily bread. In other words, they're just the, the facts of life. Uh, they have this guy, Eric Schmidt of Google. They have uh, some others, but I would point in particular to Peter Thiel, T-H-I-E-L. This is someone who is a co-founder of PayPal, made lots of money there, then went on to invest that in Google. This, of course, indicates uh, insider intelligence community uh, relations because Google is very largely a creation of the intelligence community. Um, the company that's mentioned, the, the, the startup uh, capital firm is uh, InQtel. Uh, and then they, they had functions from the National Security Agency, like the Operation Keyhole, the uh, mapping of the world from uh, satellites. Uh, that became Google Earth, right? So if you're part of Google, it means that maybe somebody in the intelligence community helped you. So this is Thiel, anyway. He's a billionaire. He is uh, one of the uh, most active, I think, of this group. I actually regard Thiel as the face of the coming generation. So we're going from people like Kissinger's Big New Brzezinski and David Rockefeller to somebody like Thiel, who's in his 40s, right? He's 30 or 40 years younger than these other people. Uh, Thiel... Uh, has intervened in this campaign in the following way. Thiel has given $2.7 million to a super PAC, which has intervened in favor of Ron Paul, the so-called libertarian anti-war candidate. And I think this says a great deal. People who are devoted to Ron Paul are likely to hate and fear the Bilderbergers with good reason. But now they must somehow face the fact that a member of the Bilderberg Steering Committee, Thiel, this is not just somebody who happened to walk into a meeting, you know, once or twice, but this is a inner core member who could hardly stay there if, if his activities were not approved, has given $2.7 million to advance the uh, election campaign, the primary campaign of Ron Paul through this uh, pro-Paul uh, super PAC. And I think you, could, you have to ask yourself, uh, what is Thiel paying for? I say two things. First of all, to spread the ideological poisons, the degradation, the immorality of the Austrian school, of libertarianism in general, and of the Ron Paul version of that in particular. The other thing is that the idea of the Ron Paul campaign was that uh, Romney is a very weak uh, candidate. If you saw any of those Republican debates, you would have seen Ron Paul running interference for Romney. Anytime people tried to gang up on Romney, Ron Paul broke up the, uh, the scrum, so to speak. 
I'm speaking with economic historian and author Webster Tarpley. Today's show, The World Mobilizes Against the Bankers, Wisconsin Recall, Syriza Party of Greece, and Michele Ruggiero of Italy. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Now, another, if I could just make the transition, another important barometer of the validity of what I'm saying about the carterization of Obama and the uh, favoring by the Bilderbergs of, uh, of uh, Romney and presumably Mitch Daniels, although that the second part is less certain than the, than the Romney, is the Wisconsin recall. Now, people know this story. This has been a magnificent example of mass struggle. When it began in February of 2011, it meant that the mass strike had returned to the United States after an uh, absence of, of 40 years, really. I think the General Electric strike of the late 60s was the last time we had anything on the scale. This was a true mass strike, a general strike. It shut down Wisconsin. Hundreds of thousands of people were more people coming out in little Madison, Wisconsin, than there ever were in Uh, downtown Manhattan for Occupy Wall Street. This is the real Occupy, was what happened in Madison. And it was the firemen, the policemen, the teachers, uh, all kinds of unionists, plus students. It was a cross-class coalition. They were able to uh, knock out four out of six reactionary Republican senators. Uh, Scott Walker, the fascist governor, has uh, lost his majority in the Senate. And then they carried out this wonderful feat one million signatures to recall Walker. And one million in a state of that size is the largest proportion of uh, American citizens to ever sign for uh, a recall or other petition in any state in the entire history of the United States. So this was a true grassroots event. Now, of course, unfortunately, once the recall had been decided, there was then a primary who would run against Walker. And at this point, the rotten pro-Wall Street Democratic Party hacks began circling like vultures, and now we have this guy Barrett, who has some positive features, I guess. But you can see that the mass movement is much stronger by itself than the mass movement plus the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is dead weight. It makes you weaker to have the Democratic Party. The unions by themselves and their mass base are better than the Democratic Party. So I don't know how this will come out. It is absolutely imperative for the future of this country and the world, that Walker be defeated. He must be ousted. Uh, This is going on as we speak. Uh, The other candidate, Barrett, the former mayor of Milwaukee, has pluses and minuses. But anything is better than Walker. And above all, it's absolutely imperative that this mass mobilization be crowned by a victory, even if it's in the form of, of Barrett. If the if the Democrats, the, the recall, the, the anti-Walker, if the anti-Walker people in Wisconsin lose, there will be huge recrimination against Obama. You never helped us. Clinton went there, but not you, Obama. You're a coward. You're a sellout. You're a traitor. You're a Wall Street thug. Right? He is. If Walker hangs on with his millions upon millions from the reactionary Koch brothers, the richest uh, two people in the United States, as far as we know, certainly Koch, the richest man in in New York City, then uh, we are headed into a fascist uh, nightmare in this country. And remember, this is the plan. As I warned four years ago, the trilateral puppet Carter was then followed by the reactionary nightmare of union busting and austerity and wealth redistribution 
to the super rich under Reagan. And that nightmare went on for the best part of a generation. If this script is going to be repeated as it has up to now, we are going to have Obama out and these uh, reactionary or fascist Republicans coming in, Romney and Mitch Daniels or somebody else like this. And then we'll go to December to the famous lame duck session where we'll get the grand bargain and the grand bargain will be savage austerity on the on the lines of what Ron Paul proposes. Right. One trillion of cuts in one year. What is the answer to what is happening globally with uh, the push for austerity? What's going on in Europe? Now, I'm reading about uh, bank runs, uh, particularly in Greece. People are shifting their money out of some of these countries that are in trouble. Uh, What's your take on the political situation in Greece? Well, first of all, the the, the stuff about the the bank runs in Greece, this is panic-mongering done by Anglo-American uh, dollar or pound supporters to try to attack the euro. They're trying to literally spread panic. They're trying to, to provoke panic. Uh, people are taking their money out of bank accounts in Greece for one reason. They're broke, they're unemployed, and their uh, social safety net has been cut practically to nothing. So they're taking money out of the bank to buy food. That's the bank panic in Greece in a nutshell. The entire approach of the, uh, the Western uh, establishment, right, Europe and, and the U.S., to Greece is demonize the Syriza party of Alexis Tsipras, try to provoke mass panic and defeat them, and then take it from there. So don't be caught up in that. That is a fraud. Libertarians love to repeat such things, right? This is where libertarians show their true class nature, right? That they are literally aligned. They are useful idiots and dupes for these uh, top-level financiers. But let's, let's take a step back. If you don't want the United States to go into a reactionary nightmare, we have big problems because we have no viable presidential candidate uh, that I can see, right? You might be able to get some bang for the buck out of... Uh, the Green Party as a protest vote or something like this. But in terms of a real programmatic solution to this depression crisis here in the U.S., and we've even got Paul Krugman admitting that we have a depression, uh, we won't have a very easy time solving that through the presidential route. So the answer is mass struggle. People ask me, well, if Ron Paul is not the second coming of Jesus Christ, who should I vote for? I would say the first thing to do is get out of your passive approach to politics. Get out of the idea that you're a consumer and you sit there waiting for something to be dished up to you as a presidential campaign. In those places where there has been mass struggle, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana to some extent, uh, there's struggle going on in uh, California around many issues, the cost of the uh, um, tuition. There's a huge struggle in Quebec, Canada about tuition payments. You've got to orient yourself towards mass struggle. Now, in, in what form? Occupy Wall Street was largely hijacked and wrecked by a group of uh, anarchists who were part of this Adbusters Foundation of Vancouver, British Columbia. And Adbusters is, of course, the old Situationist International founded by NATO intelligence in France in the late 50s to overthrow General de Gaulle. That's who these people are. Uh, they are anarchist wreckers. We just had them on with Assange, right, on, uh, on Russia Today. These people tell you, you must not have demands, you should have no organization, no leader, no demand, and no policy. 
no strategy. Well, let's look at Greece, right? After three to four years of savage austerity, we've got the victory of the Syriza bloc. This is the best thing that has happened in the world in many, many years. This is much better than anything that happened in Iceland. Iceland has never really made it. Uh, they never knocked out the social democratic prime minister who was a tool of the banks. Uh, the living standard in Iceland has been cut in half because as the currency was devalued by one half and everything is imported, the living standard has crashed. It has been cut by 50%. Uh, and that will show up in the uh, UN human development statistics before too long. Iceland is no longer going to be number one on the, the uh, UN uh, human development list if they're, if they're doing anything honest at all. So in Greece, it is the Syriza party. Syriza meaning the unified bloc of the radical left. The leader, Alexis Tsipras, I think one of the most fascinating, inspiring figures of our time. Look into this and find out more about it. Let's talk about what they've been able to do. First of all, organization. They started a couple of years ago with 12 groupuscules, right? 12 organizations, little parties, fragments, uh, people who had left other political parties in the Greek party landscape. They have been able to weld this together to one party, right, the Syriza, and this, if they get uh, the relative majority, in other words, if they get more votes than anybody else, on the 17th of June, that's the key day, that's the second round, the second election, the second early election, if they get the most votes, they will get a bonus of 50 members of parliament, which up to now have gone to the reactionary uh, new democracy of Samaras, which is a, a pro-banker, pro-austerity uh, party. So organization. Then we get to uh, Tsipras. He has taken uh, a trip to Paris. He met with Mélenchon of the United Left Bloc. Mélenchon came in with about uh, 11% of the vote in the first round of the French presidential election. And they talked about an international European-wide attack on the European Central Bank. How do you get that under control? How do you rip that away from the bankers that control it now and make it responsive to the need for an economic recovery program? In other words, the generation of credit through the European Central Bank. Cyprus then went on to Berlin. He met Die Linke. This is the party of Oscar Lafontaine and uh, Gregor Gysi. And here it was, uh, you can see this online, a six-point program that talked about forcing the European Central Bank to maintain the solvency of European countries in the short run by buying their bonds, but above all by putting money into infrastructure through the European uh, infrastructure funds, the European regional fund, and other funds to start a recovery that way. Now, some of this needs to be, be further developed. Based on this, Syriza has gone from 4% before the first round in May to 30%. They are, I believe, ahead of the uh, new democracy, and they're on their way to becoming the biggest party in Greece. We were told by ad busters, oh no, we can't have demands, then you'll be co-opted. This is just insanity. It's infantile, puerile, ridiculous. Uh, it's the language of sabotage, frankly. This is how anarchist wreckers have acted uh, for, you know, for, since time immemorial. The program of Syriza is this. First of all, no austerity. First of all, roll back any wage cuts. 
Any wage cuts must be restored. Pension cuts must be restored. The minimum wage has been cut. Restore that. Bring that back to where it was. That's number one. The second is, uh, sort of like Walker in, in Wisconsin, there have been anti-worker and anti-union measures put through, union-busting measures. Well, roll them all back. That's number two. The third point is a catalog of other um, primarily domestic Greek reforms which aim at increased democracy and increased social justice in everyday life. A fourth point, to conduct a systematic investigation of the Greek financial crisis with a view to determining such things as how Goldman Sachs came in and uh, colluded with corrupt politicians in the Greek government to, to set up these derivatives that then boomeranged and became one of the main sources of Greek uh, debt is through derivatives that ought to be illegal. So in this case, investigate that. And if bankers and government officials are found to have colluded, put them in jail. Hard hitting. Right? You didn't hear anything like this coming out of uh, Occupy in any systematic way. The fifth point, I think, is the most radical and the one that warms my heart the most. Debt moratorium, debt freeze. Stop paying interest and principal on the part of the Greek debt that the Greek people judge to be illegitimate and onerous, excessive. Among other things, uh, in terms of the anti-austerity, stop privatizations, right? Don't sell the Parthenon to Steve Forbes so that he can put Coca-Cola signs on it, but uh, keep the state property of Greece under the sovereign control of the Greek people. And with all of this, stay in the euro. Do not leave the euro. Nobody can be kicked out of Greece. Greece has been the heart of Europe for 3,000 years. Credit default swaps were invented in Manhattan in 1994, 95, and we're told that that takes precedence, that if you can't pay your credit default swaps, that you should leave Europe. Who can say to a Greek, you're not part of Europe? It's absolutely ridiculous. Europe started in Greece, right? Western civilization uh, starts in Greece. So this is absolutely ridiculous. The, the, the logic of this is if you're not... Uh, Solvent, you're not a European? Well, there are plenty of insolvent Europeans. I'm speaking with economic historian and author Webster Tarpley. Today's show, The World Mobilizes Against the Bankers, Wisconsin Recall, Syriza Party of Greece, and Michele Ruggiero of Italy. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. The idea, of course, behind this is that... Uh, the Germans, the Germans, uh, Merkel and, uh, and the Bundesbank threatened Greece saying, if you don't uh, observe the austerity commitments and savagely destroy your own people, then uh, we'll kick you out of Europe. And the way they'd kick them out is not to say you're out, but they'd say you can't get any more money, euros from the European Central Bank. Right? You, can't, you can't do it that way. That's right. So, so uh, the, the problem with that is, who is bankrupt here? Greece is not bankrupt. Greece has been here for 3,000 years, and there'll be 3,000 years in the future. Bankrupt is Deutsche Bank, Société Générale, Crédit Agricole, Unicredito, Santander, right? Bankia, we just saw them. In other words, the zombie banks are bankrupt. Uh, and of course, in the, in the world of, of, of reality, if a bank makes bad investments and they, they can't collect, then the bank is bankrupt. 
great nations don't go bankrupt that way. This is this is really a, it, it reflects the poisonous propaganda of the Austrian school of the Ron Pauls of the universe who say, well, if a government can't pay, then they're bankrupt. I say no. I say the sovereign states will put the zombie banks into receivership and shut them down and destroy their derivatives. That's how you get out of the crisis. If you do it the other way, if you let the zombie banks and the ratings agencies destroy their uh, the countries, the nations, then you're headed towards uh, fascist hell uh, all over the world. So that, that's really the issue. Tsipras, I think, is an extraordinary individual. He was on television in Athens the other night for three hours, deflecting people. Some people saying, you're too radical. Others, KKE communists, typically, you're not radical enough. It's moderate. And he's essentially saying, I can solve your problems. I will raise your wages. I will fix the, um, the, the minimum wage. I will roll back these austerity cuts. And of course, the problem with the Greek debt it can't be paid. It's a physical impossibility. It can't be done in this universe. You could kill everybody in Greece in a, in a concentration camp, which is what, what these bankers seem to want. You still wouldn't pay the debt. So far, we've had a cut of about 25% in the Greek standard of living. When they started with this, the debt was about 120 to 130% of GDP, total debt. And now it's 170%. What this shows is Austerity does not work, even in its own terms. You cut the budget this year, the deficit will be bigger next year. It's counterintuitive for dummies, but that's economic reality. Sovereign states are not the same as the kitchen table uh, discussion about the family budget. Are you saying Are you saying that the Syriza party in Greece is uh, proposing to accomplish its platform while remaining in the absolutely, euro? Absolutely. Within the euro. Yes, and that's what that's what Syriza was doing. When Tsipras went to Paris and met Mélenchon and to Berlin to meet Die Linke, that's the beginning of what you absolutely need, which is a continent-wide European front to take over the European Central Bank, to roll back austerity, to battle the bankers, and to ultimately break the power of finance capital. And with the presence of, of, of Tsipras, all of these fakers, right, these anarchist lunatics that had taken over uh, Occupy Wall Street and similar things, they are swept aside. They're irrelevant. They have nothing to say. They failed. What do we have to show for the Occupy? The Tea Party got 70 or 80 members of the House, five or six senators. The Tea Party got on the map. They took a piece of power. What do we have to show for Occupy? Basically nothing. They say, oh, we changed the, uh, the conversation. Yeah, you change. it's always changing. And you changed it for a while, and now it changed back. Where are you now? You see the entire universe of bankers is absolutely terrified. They hate and fear Syriza. And this ought to tell you, this is the model to imitate. Nobody else. Uh, not the Indianados. They didn't, they didn't do it. It's Syriza of Greece with program, leadership, a strategy, and... Uh, and an organization. That's what that shows us. Well, yes, but in order to accomplish what they're proposing, like you say, they would have to take over the European Central Bank. Right. But uh, look, you can do this. You've got what you've, they've already understood. You have the blackmail power. In other words, you have the debt bomb in your pocket. In other words, you can say, if I decide that Deutsche Bank is bankrupt, it is bankrupt. So you better be reasonable, Merkel. That's, that's the fact, right? 
this, this is what the Latin Americans learned in the early 80s, right? La bomba da de, de deuda. The idea being that if, 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 you, uh, if a country like Greece owes these sums to these European zombie banks, that's your, your, your margin of leverage right there. So you have to say to Merkel, Merkel, you are on your way out. You know, you look at the results in North Rhine-Westphalia, in the Ruhr, in Schleswig-Holstein, you're on your way out. And uh, if we decide, if you kick us out of the European Union, we will pay not one penny ever to Deutsche Bank. And then you will be left to worry about the bankruptcy of Deutsche Bank. Right? So if you want to have an orderly process, we're your partners. But if you want to do unilateral authoritarian stuff, then you will be left holding the bag. And you, Hollande. When uh, Tsipras went to Paris, he called Hollande, Hollandreou. Hollandreou meaning Hollande, the socialist, reminds me of Papandreou. Of, uh, of Greece, right? The, the, uh, the second international uh, guy who, who superintended the first phase of the, of the austerity. Remember, the basic thing here is the Anglo-Americans wish to destroy the euro. But here's now somebody who says, I'm staying in the euro. I'm asserting the validity of Europe, but not the Europe of the banking cartels and the reactionaries, not the neoliberal Europe of these Eurogarchs and Eurocrats on the Brussels Commission. The Europe of the people, the Europe of the fatherlands, the Europe of economic development. And he's got a program, a five-point program. And, and that has now been joined by Die Linke of, uh, of Germany. I think this is a triumph. This is what's happening. This is the most exciting story in the world. Now, now who, is, just, who is Die Linke in Germany? It's a left-wing party, right? They get, you know, they have ups and downs, uh, 5, 10, 15% different times, right? Stuff like this. It's a it's a it's a left party. It's the left opposition. It's it's uh, a lot of people left over from the DDR and then the, uh, the you know radical trade unionists of West Germany, and it has a certain validity. This is only a first step, but this is the first time that anybody has done this. Right? What what the uh, Cyprus has done? He's gone from Paris to Berlin. Now, obviously, you need Italy, you need Spain, you need these other places. But this is something that's going on. This is realistic. This is understandable. This is not the blather of, oh, we're going to have a hippie commune in Zuccotti Park, and that's the answer, and we're going to essentially take over the world with our hippie commune. You see where that leads you. This is a serious, class-based, programmatic alternative that's realistic, that working people can understand, and they're voting for it. And uh, I believe that uh, there's every reason to think that Syriza will come out as the number one party in Greece on the uh, 17th of June that the, the PASOK, the socialists, will be swept away. Uh, there's, a, there's a party of um, people who have left the new democracy who I think will be uh, available for a coalition on an anti-austerity platform. Otherwise, the struggle will continue, and the struggle will continue until somebody implements a program to lead Greece out of this crisis. You're in a bottomless depression, so there's no... There's no surcease. There's, it will not relent until you defeat the depression. And this is now the best chance we have. Let me point out, though, in Italy, we have a parallel development, which I think is absolutely critical. I'm just in the process of trying to get the, uh, the indictment. We're now talking about Michele Ruggiero. Michele Ruggiero, R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O. He is an investigating judge of Trani, T-R-A-N-I. This is in the boot the, the heel of the Italian boot, near Bari, slightly north of Bari. So it's looking out over the Adriatic, looking over towards Greece. Uh, 
He has been investigating the activities of the credit rating agencies, Fitch, Moody's, Standard & Poor's. And last week, he issued what amounts to an indictment of Standard & Poor's. He has indicted Standard & Poor's and four or five individuals. And the idea is that they have issued false and tendentious credit rating information about Italian government bonds and Italian banks. And that above all, they have done this as an act of economic warfare to destabilize Italy. And I believe he has hit the bullseye with this indictment. Nowhere in the world do we have somebody of this intelligence and this courage when it comes to an actual law enforcement officer, right? Somebody who represents the, the power of the, uh, the government for self-defense, right? We're in southern Italy. This is not so far from the place where judges like, like, like Ruggiero are routinely the target of mafia hits and terrorist hits, mafia hits disguised as terrorist hits and vice versa. So he has taken a stand. And this is electrifying. I think you'll see that um, uh, you didn't hear about this on the CBS Evening News. Uh, you're going to have to go and, and get the information. I've been uh, assembling it. I'll, I'll try to have something up about this. But this is an example of what can be done in the countries that have independent magistrates, uh, which we do not have, right? It would be very difficult for a U.S. attorney to do this if somebody wanted to indict J.P. Morgan for the London Whale, uh, it would be hard to do this because Eric Holder, another puppet of Wall Street, would certainly come forward and say, no, you're fired. Stop doing it. But Italy is different. Uh, and this uh, indictment by Michele Ruggiero has to be reviewed by some other judges. And other judges would then carry out the um, – or other prosecutors would carry out the prosecution. But still, this is a landmark decision. This is the – the first time in the Western world that I, I can see that we've got a real attempt at serious accountability on these rating agencies, because they are, of course, an integral part of the attack. The idea of exporting the depression to Europe, beggar my neighbor, save the dollar, save the pound by wrecking the euro and feasting on the on the wreckage, right? Looting the wreckage once it's gone, once you have these individual countries that can be defeated one by one. Um, this is the, the main uh, goal of the, of the U.S.-British strategy. And the way that they've chosen to do it, since you, it's difficult to attack the euro frontally with a trillion, trillion dollars a day of, of euros in the markets, they've chosen to attack the bonds, the relatively narrow and illiquid bond markets of Greece, Portugal, Spain, Ireland, and Italy. And they've done that using credit default swaps. But the uh, trumpet call to battle for the speculators, the hedge fund hyenas, and the zombie bankers, occurs when the ratings are downgraded. And uh, I, I passed through Paris last November. I saw the, the degradation of a great nation, France, groveling before Standard & Poor's. And who are they? A private firm, branch of McGraw-Hill, deregulated, unaccountable, no standards, no transparency, paid by the people who... Uh, they're supposed to be evaluating, shot through with intelligence community people, uh, no qualifications. The head of the head of uh, Standard and Poor's was a guy who majored in English. He wasn't. He was not even an academic economist. If that meant anything, it doesn't really mean anything. But he, there's even not an attempt to create a facade that he knows what he's doing. 
Right, and you're talking about uh, Standard & Poor's downgrading of Italian sovereign debt in 2011. Right. And banks. And banks. Sure. And it says, uh, I read that the counts of the indictment are, quote, multiply aggravated and sustained manipulation of the financial market. Right. With the goal of destabilizing the country. In other words, it's political, and that's exactly what it is. So this is, again... It is a masterpiece. It's a tremendous analysis. I should mention that uh, Ruggiero wanted some American experts to go there and testify. He submitted a request through the Italian Justice Ministry in Rome to the U.S. Department of Justice under Eric Holder. And he wanted Paul Krugman. He wanted Mary Shapiro of the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. And he wanted yours truly, Webster G. Tarpley, to be to be. Um, to testify as expert witnesses. And the uh, Holder Department of Justice said, no, you want to put people on trial for their opinions. Uh, we won't help you in the least. And they did not even inform the people, not Krugman, not me, not anybody, of the fact that this request had been made. I read about it in the Italian papers somewhat later. Webster Tarpley, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And it's always a pleasure to talk to your listeners, who I think are one of the most important constituencies that we have. been speaking with Webster Tarpley. Today's show has been The World Mobilizes Against the Bankers, Wisconsin Recall, Syriza Party of Greece, and Michele Ruggiero of Italy. Webster Tarpley is an economic historian, author, and lecturer. He is author of Against Oligarchy, 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in the USA, and co-author of George Bush, The Unauthorized Biography. His latest books are Obama, The Postmodern Coup, and Obama, The Unauthorized Biography. His prescient economic work, Surviving the Cataclysm, A Study of the World Financial Crisis, is now out in paperback. Visit his website at www.tarpley.net. That's T-A-R-P-L-E-Y net. Email him at tarpley at tarpley.net. Guns and Butter is produced and edited by Bonnie Faulkner and Yaramako. To make comments or order copies of shows, email us at blfaulkner at yahoo.com. That's B-L-F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R at yahoo.com. Visit our website at www.gunsandbutter.org. That's G-U-N-S-A-N-D-B-U-T-T-E-R dot O-R-G. Hey, hey. Everybody knows what's going down. Hey, yo, these are some serious times that we live in, G. And our new world order is about to begin. You know what I'm saying? Now the question is, are you ready for the real revolution, which is the evolution of the mind? If you seek, then you shall find that we all come from the divine. You dig what I'm saying? Now if you take heed to the words of wisdom that are written on the walls of life, then universally we will stand and divided we will fall because love conquers all. You understand what I'm saying? This is a call for all you sleeping souls. Wake up and take control of your own cipher and be on the lookout for the spirit sniper trying to steal your life. You know what I'm saying? Look what decides yourself for peace. Give thanks, live life, and release. You dig me? The 
got me 